If you brought your Bibles, you can open them to John chapter 10. Every August as a church, we come back around uh, 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 our mission again, our, our vision again, the reason we exist. Uh, that, that mission is to grow followers of Jesus Christ. And so every August, every year, we come back to that and ask ourselves, are we doing that? And how are we doing that? And how is this mission coming alive in our church? How are we growing followers of Jesus Christ? How are we making disciples as, as we're commanded in the Great Commission of Jesus? Last week, we talked about uh, this idea, this mission, and uh, we talked about can openers that don't open cans. You remember this? So everybody's had one of those can openers, and it's called a can opener, but sometimes they don't open cans. Uh, a true story, we had two can openers at our house, and uh, uh, I tested both of them, and they both worked fine, so I broke one last week to bring it to talk about a can opener that doesn't open cans. And then this week, guess what happened? And the connection is there's too many churches not opening cans. We call ourselves followers of Christ, but, but we haven't stepped into that mission. We haven't stepped into our purpose. We haven't, we haven't stepped into that, that the reason we exist. And we put this, we frame this in the context of, of only about 30% of the natural, natural metro area, only about 30% in, in the buckle of the Bible Belt with the church on every corner, only about 30% of, of people in our area are actually attending a church, actually ha have any kind of faith life that, that's real or active or meaningful. Only about 30%. And so our mission is, is, is massive. Literally 1.2 million people in the Nashville, in just our area, aren't living out of faith or don't have a faith. And so our mission is to grow followers of Jesus Christ, to, to step into this, to become can openers who can open cans again. Um, over the next couple of weeks, as we dig deeper into this, I just want to take some cues from John chapter 10. John chapter 10, Jesus gives this, uh, this mini sermonette. Uh, it, it's one that you'll be very familiar with. He uses the image of the good shepherd. You know this image? And he talks about this image of the good shepherd. It's an image found throughout Scripture. Sometimes the good shepherd is Jesus. Sometimes the good shepherd is God. But also sometimes leaders of the church are put to shepherd. And so this image is used all throughout Scripture. And I want to look the next few weeks as, as this example, at this example of good shepherd. Because I think Jesus is using this example between this relationship between sheep and shepherd to define our relationship with him, how we respond to him, how he treats us. And so, in a sense, Jesus will always be our good shepherd. But I think there's, there's another layer to this good shepherd uh, uh, passage out of John chapter 10. I think he's, he's teaching us, his sheep, his followers, his disciples, how to shepherd others. I think the Good Shepherd is this awesome thing that defines our relationship with God, but also I think it's, he is giving us an example to follow with others. He's teaching us how to care for his flock. You remember that the language that he tells Peter, do you love me? Peter says, of course I love you. And then three times Jesus says, feed my lambs. Care for my sheep. Make disciples. Grow followers of Jesus Christ. So let's just look at the first couple of passages here, first couple of verses. In John chapter 10, verses 1 through 5, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. I, 
that's, that's the way he talks, right? <laughs> I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his, what's the word? And come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And they follow him because they know his, what's the word? They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. You're picking up a theme here. There's a couple of different things we could pick on, but I want to land on that voice. The sheep recognize his voice. They follow him because they know his voice. They, they recognize his voice and come to him, and they won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Uh, I'm told that even today in, in this part of the ancient Near East, uh, uh, if you have a shepherd who has a flock and cares for that flock and is spending time with that flock, if you dress a stranger up in the actual shepherd's clothes, like take the clothes off the sheep shepherd and, and dress a stranger up, and you even instruct the stranger with the names of the sheep, when that shepherd walks near the sheep or comes near the sheep, what will they do? They'll run from him. And if they call, uh, if the stranger calls the sheep, even if he knows the sheep's name, they won't come to him because they recognize his voice. And if two shepherds overnight, uh, if they kind of combine their flocks for protection in a, in a sheepfold overnight, and in the middle of the night, the, the sheep become, uh, 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 the one flock is mixed in with another flock. They're all intermingled. How do you separate them in the morning? Do you know how they do it? One shepherd simply walks a little ways away and calls his sheep. And they divide themselves. The sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd. They know his voice. Do you? Just about everyone has a voice. And attached to that voice is an opinion. Uh, I have a two-year-old. And he has a voice and an opinion, and it's a strong one. But we get uh, voices and opinions from, from, from all sides that surround us, from the news, from government, Twitter, Facebook, friends, family, neighbors, uh, churches, blogs. And the scary thing is that they, they all have an opinion about who I should be, right? Uh, they have an opinion about you. And, and how you should vote, and how you should think, and how you should live. And, and one of the most obvious things to me is that in a world filled with 7 billion voices and opinions, everyone is talking and very few are listening. So one of the keys to our remission, one of the keys to us growing followers of Jesus Christ, of making disciples, who, uh, one of the keys of discipleship and disciple making is learning how to recognize the voice of the good shepherd. Are you with me? Is there room in your life for God's voice? Are you listening? Would you be able to hear God if he spoke to you? Would you recognize his voice? Would you listen? So I want to spend a few minutes talking to some, uh, about discipleship, but as, especially as it relates to hearing God's voice, as we hear his voice and help others to hear the voice of God. 
One of my favorite stories from Scripture is 1 Kings chapter 19. In it, uh, it says, And Elijah stood there, and the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the winds, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a, what are the two words? Gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? The voice of God is not found in the windstorm that breaks the rock or the earthquake or even a roaring fire, but it's found in a gentle whisper. And if you're trying to hear a gentle whisper, you start by cutting out the noise. That's easier said than done, though, right? Because we've become addicts to noise. Uh, we've become addicts to things that, that are seeking our, our attention. True story, uh, I recently was in a public restroom, and a guy was talking on his cell phone in the bathroom stall next to me. Or at least I hope he was talking to his cell phone. <laughs> we've become addicts, Right? Addicts to, to noise in our life. I love what uh, uh, Chris Hodges, uh, he works for the Church of the Highlands in Alabama, an amazing church. He challenged his church with this. See, see if you could, if you could uh, uh, step up to bar this challenge. He challenged his whole church to unplug for an entire week. Uh, uh, to unplug from their cell phones, from his computers, from their TVs. From, he, he challenged them to unplug from anything that creates noise in their life. No radio in the car, no nothing. Uh, and instead of listening to what everyone else has to say, read only passages of, of Scripture that tell them what God thinks of them. How would your week change if you did that? I recently heard of another family. They, they took a family vacation with no electronics at all. None. And they have small kids. It's crazy. No electronics, no radio, no cell phones, no iPads, no movies, no no, nothing, just to spend time with family. And in those moments together, maybe tense moments at times, you think they got to hear each other in new ways. Um, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it gives us this example. Jesus, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. We see Jesus doing this all the time, right? It, it, it is one of these habits and behaviors. Here, here we see one of the most consistent patterns, disciplines, practices of Jesus' life that most Christians aren't practicing. Am I right? Jesus knew if he was going to hear the gentle whisper, he had to get away from the noise. So go for a walk. Go sit on a lonely dock Drive in the car with the radio off. Begin your day with a, a, a cup of coffee and a quiet devotion time or, or end your day in the same way. The church fathers, um, 
practiced this discipline called Lectio Divina. It just means sacred reading. It, it was a way of studying scripture, uh, uh, but it, it was a way of divine listening. And so you begin with a passage of scripture and you read through the passage several times. Read slow, read fast, not, not a long passage, but, but you start by reading scripture. And then the, the next phase is to write down the meaning of, of that scripture. To, to take a few moments to stop and don't just think about it, but right, what does this mean? What are they saying? What questions do I have? What, what is God revealing to me in his words? And then whatever he is revealing through his word, the next step is to pray that into your life. So you read, then you write, and then you pray specifically these words. Father God, this message, this teaching, the way you're, you're revealing yourself in this text, text. Father God, I, I pray that into my life. And then the last part of Lectio Divina and the most important and the one we ignore the most is called contemplatio. And it, it just means divine listening to read, to write, to pray it into your life, and then to stop and listen and allow God to respond to your prayer. So I was leading a group of teenagers on a, on a big retreat weekend, several hundred teenagers, and um, I was asked to, to lead kind of one of the breakout groups, one of the classes, and, and um, I said, well, man, I'm going to lead them through Lectio Divina. They, they've had all the other Bible classes, you know, like they've all had. Here's a passage, here's what you should do, that kind of stuff. I'm just going to ask them if, if they've ever listened to God before. And it, it was a perfect, it was a perfect surrounding. I, we weren't in a room or in a cabin. I took them way up into the woods and made them hike up there and we sat on logs and pine cones. And we were in this beautiful place in New Mexico, land of enchantment. Um, and I just asked them, I, I, and many of these, these teenagers had, had had faith, and they were baptized, and they were Christians. They were doing these amazing things with their faith. I just asked them, have you ever listened to God? Do you believe that God wants to speak to you? Crickets, right? Just like you're sitting here right now. Crickets. And I said, so right now for our class, what we're going to do is I'm just going to give you a passage. I'm going to teach you to do Lectio Divina. I want you to read it, write it, pray it, and then I want you to listen. And, and if you're comfortable doing it, what I want you to do is what God reveals to you, what he speaks to you, I just want you to write that down. And that was it. And then I just sent them out into the woods. And after a period of time, I blew the whistle, called them back. They, they kind of gathered around, and I just asked them, I said, you know, I, I don't want to pry into your business, but all right, do any of you, if you feel comfortable, would, would you share what God revealed to you? Would, you? would you share what he spoke to you? Several teenagers over the course of the week volunteered, and the things they, the things they shared were incredible. Almost always it, it comes in the words of affirmation. Frequently words like, I love you. I'm here for you. Be not afraid. It was amazing to me that uh, for most of these teens who, who were, were already Christians, it was amazing to me that they never really stopped to listen. What's the point of believing in God if he has nothing to say to you? If you want to hear the voice of God, 
we must become people of the gentle whisper, right? Are you with me? This is the lifestyle of a growing follower of Jesus Christ. This is the characteristic of a disciple who is making disciples, of someone who is listening to God's voice. And so the next question maybe as we, we think about this idea of, of, of listening to God's voice is, um, how do I know if it's God's voice or not? Fair question. So I get to meet with people all the time, and, and, and this is a question that comes up all the time. How do I know it's not just indigestion? You know, how, how do I know that this is actually God, you know, the, the big guy speaking to me? How do I know? And, and so I, I want to share a couple of examples and, and then, then give you some insight to, to some of this as we become people of the gentle whisper. Um, my wife and I, we adopted almost uh, two years ago. You'll see a little Mohawk kid running around here. He belongs to us. Um, we're different colors, but it's okay. Um, and uh, this is, uh, adoption was something we talked about for a long time. We, we talked about doing a, as a family, even, uh, I have an older brother who was adopted. Uh, we just felt like, you know, it was, even before we got married, we felt like, you know, th that'd be a cool idea. That's, that's a good idea. That's interesting. Seems like a good thing, you know. Uh, and, and so it kind of came to this point in our life, even before we came here, like, man, you know, if we're going to do this, we probably should do it. You know, we've kind of talked about it. We had a child of our own. Um, we, we just said, you know, there, there comes this time. And, and so we said, well, let's just, let's just create a, a, a biblical time of asking God what he thinks. And, and so we said 40 days, well, that's a Bible number. Uh, for the next 40 days, we're just going to, we're going to ask God, God, should we adopt? And on the very first day, we realized that we were idiots. Because God didn't need 40 days to answer that request. On the very first day, we knew what God's heart was. And I've told the story before, but then so we spent the next 39 days just praying through our fears. And we knew what God's heart were, was because we knew what Scripture says. We had studied his word. And, and, and maybe the, the first way to know if it's God's voice or not is to just ask yourself, um, what does Scripture say? If someone comes to you and says, well, God said it's all right for me to cheat on my taxes, or, or, or God said it's all right for me to commit adultery, well, hold on there. Hold on there. And so it becomes this important thing for us to recognize his voice. We've got to know his word. God will never speak against his own word. Um, there was this great teaching. Uh, Andy Stanley at a, a, a North Point in Atlanta gave this great teaching out of uh, John chapter 1, verse 17. I think maybe we have that passage. Um, he gave this teaching that, that says, for the, law, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And uh, he, the, the title of this, this teaching, and I, maybe I'll get the link for you because it's so, it's so profound. He called it gracie and truthy. But, but it's based on this idea that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus is full of grace all the time. The fullness of grace, that's Jesus but also Jesus is the fullness of truth. Not one more than the other, but, but full of both at the same time. Now think about how phenomenal a concept that is. Right? 
How many Christians, how many people do you know that are heavy grace? Our world right now is grace, 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 grace. Everyone should have permission to believe and think whatever they want. Everyone, their personal preference is their personal preference. Why? Grace. Grace covers it all. But this passage, I love his teaching, says, yeah, absolutely, Jesus is full of grace, but he's also full of truth. His word is full of truth. And I know sometimes we get caught at, well, how can I love someone and tell them the truth at the same time? Jesus did. Right? That was the example he gave. And, and we need Christians, man, you guys, we need to be full of grace, but we also have to be full of truth. You remember what Jesus says in John chapter 10 when he opens this passage about the good shepherd. Remember what he says? I tell you the truth. How many Christians people do you know that, that are all about the grace of Jesus Christ but could care less about the truth of his word? And so we must, if we're going to hear the voice of God, we, we must be full of grace and truth. The voice of God will never con contradict the truth of his word. And also, as we, as we think about, okay, is this the, is what I'm getting, is what I'm receiving, is this from God, is this God's voice? You got to ask yourself the instant gratification question. Well, God said, because my girlfriend and I love each other, even though we aren't married yet, we'll just go ahead and share an apartment. Better hold on there. Or God said, uh, I can buy this new whatever. I can just put it on my credit card and take care of it later. When wondering if is this really the voice of God or not, ask yourself that instant gratification question because God is always more interested in your future than your present discomfort. Is that fair? God is always more interested in your long-term, who you are becoming, than your immediate gratification. So uh, as we were talking about, how do I know if it's God's voice or not? Maybe uh, we look at instant gratification. What does Scripture say? Uh, but I think maybe one of the most powerful ways to really know, is this, is this God's voice? Is God speaking into my life or not? Is, is to ask yourself, what are your spiritually-minded Christian friends say about the message you have received? What are your faithful, what does the faithful circle of people around you have to say about this message? Uh, I don't know if you're like me or not, but I can convince myself of just about anything, right? I am the easiest person to convince myself of, you know, like I, I can talk myself into trying just about anything. And because I can talk myself into anything, one of the weird things that's happening in our world is for us to go, well, that's okay. He talked himself into it, so it must be all right. Uh, and it's crazy how it runs rampant in our world. Uh, and I even have those friends. It doesn't matter what I talk myself into, they'll go along with it. You have those friends? I'm gonna, you know, I was really thinking about becoming a stump man and setting myself on fire. Dude, you should do that. Right? I think this is, uh, this is why it is so important for Christians to be a part of a body of Christ. This is why it is so important for you to, to, to come to a church, to be a part of a church on a regular basis. 
Because I think the best person to help you discern God's voice in your life is the person already talking to God on your behalf. Are you with me? When you surround yourself with a body of believers who you know have your best interest at heart, they're not going to be afraid to not only speak grace into your life, but truth also. And that is a game changer, right? That changes things. There was a time when, uh, uh, most of you know, and maybe you can tell, but I, I did student ministry forever with junior high and high school students. That was my passion. That was my love. Worked for a big church out in Texas, was doing student ministry, had this, had this great ministry. Uh, I know it's crazy to think because I work for a small church now, but my, my student ministry budget was over 100 grand. It was fun. I got all the toys I could have ever wanted. And now it was proportional because uh, whenever we went anywhere, I had to rent eight 15-passenger vans. Like, I mean, it, 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 it was proportional. Um, I bought a 50 plane tickets at one time. I spent $75,000 on plane tickets in one time. Um, it was so fun. <laughs> but I had a great ministry, and I loved the teens that I was working with. I was teaching them to listen to God and doing all kinds of cool stuff. And all of a sudden, I began to have this nagging thought, this nagging feeling that God was calling me to something else in ministry. And I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. I did. Um, I, I, didn't want to move. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to change. I didn't want to do. I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. I, I had, like I said, I had all the toys I could have ever wanted. And yet this nagging voice began to come in my life. And, and I kind of begrudgingly said, okay, well, I'm going to ask some of my, my friends, my circle of faithful believers who I know have my back and I know are praying for me. I'm going to ask them to, to pray, God, What's next for Adam in ministry? Are, are you calling Adam to something different in ministry? And every single one of them came back and said, God's calling you to be to a teaching, preaching role. And I said, no. I just make fun of those guys. And they kind of helped me see, like, no, this is, this is the path that, that, that God's calling you on. It was a voice that I was hearing, but I just didn't want to hear. And it was because I was surrounded with a great circle of friends who had my back, who were willing to speak the truth to me of Adam. Man, you have an awesome ministry, but God's calling you to whole other things. Even things I didn't want to hear. Man, that's, that's when I began to step into his voice in a new way. And right now, I guarantee, I, I, I am 100% certain that in this room, God is trying to speak into someone here and you're not listening. I guarantee it. I guarantee God is trying to speak into your life. And, and my question is, do you have a sounding board that is helping you hear him? Do you have a sounding board of people that, that you can go to and say, man, I feel like God's pulling me. I feel like God's leading me. I feel like God's, God's speaking to me about this. Do you have that sounding board of people that, that are willing to speak grace and truth to you? Who can you go to and say, I feel like God is telling me this. Who can, you, who can speak into your life? Who have you given permission to speak into your life and say, I feel like God is trying to tell you this, but you aren't listening. Who are the people that are praying for you right now who know you deeply and intimately? Who do you trust with your future?
Isn't that a picture of discipleship right there? Isn't that the mission that, that God is calling us on? If we are to grow followers of Jesus Christ, to hear his voice and engage others in that voice, to speak for him. Maybe the, the last part of this hearing his voice and how it relates to discipleship is how you can help others hear his voice. To share with others what God has shared with you. Maybe at, maybe at your work or, 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 or at your office place or with, with your friends to, to just simply say, I was reading scripture this morning and God shared this. I, I was singing in church and God, God, God laid this on my heart. Um, and, and it's not this kind of massive trump card that sometimes we play. In the car this morning, I had the radio off and was praying and God opened me to this. And maybe you say, maybe it's a message to a coworker. It's just to say, you know, the fact is I haven't been very friendly to you lately. And I just wanted to say I'm sorry. Maybe what God is putting in our heart is, is a message to your spouse or your kids of, I've been really distracted lately and, and I just haven't been very kind. And I, 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 and I just wanted to say I'm sorry. We must, as people of the gentle whisper, as we listen for that gentle whisper, we must also become people that, that God speaks through. You remember that picture of Pentecost when the church started in Acts chapter 2? It's this really, uh, it's almost a Steven Spielberg movie image. The people are gathered in this small room. They're talking about Jesus has been ascended and they're talking about what's next and what they're supposed to do. Some are afraid and scared and they, they don't know really where to start. And all of a sudden the rush of a giant wind lands on the house and tongues like fire land upon them. And the whole city runs because wind and fire, scary. And when the people get around, they see the followers of Jesus. What are they doing? Speaking speaking in tongues, speaking in other languages. The Holy Spirit has come on them and they are speaking the words of God. They haven't just heard his voice, but now they have become his mouthpiece. And if you haven't read it lately, go read Acts chapter 2. Peter delivers his brave heart sermon and more than 3,000 that day were baptized. We, the, the people of the gentle whisper, are the mouthpiece of God in our world. You may be God's mouthpiece in your office. His voice through you. And your role in that place is to tell others what God would tell them. Not to tell them what you think and just put God's label on it. But what is the message God has for your friends and for your neighbors and for your coworkers? It, I imagine it would be very similar to what the teenagers discovered in New Mexico on the mountain. Words of encouragement, words of challenge, words of affirmation. You're valuable. You're important. You're forgiven. Let's do this. Turn to your neighbor right now. Everyone all of a sudden freezes. Turn to your neighbor. Pick, per, pick a person. Maybe you know him, maybe you don't know him. Turn to your neighbor right now, look him in the eye, look him deep in the eye, like you love him. 
There's a dad and a teenage son on the front row. Wish y'all could see him right now. Look them deep in the eye and tell them what you think God would tell them if he was sitting right there. Speak God's truth in their life. Just do it. Just, I, I know it's silly. Just try it. Speak God's words of, of truth and love and affirmation. If God was sitting right next to you, what would he say to this person? Be nice. Be nice. If you don't know what to say, I'll give you three words. If God were sitting right next to you in this place right now, he would say, I love you. These are words that change things, right? These are powerful, powerful words. And when we as the people of a gentle whisper begin to allow God to speak through us, when his words, his voice begins to pour through us, when you begin to share his truth with others, they're going to ask, how can I hear his voice too? And that's your chance. That's your, that's your chance to, to invite them to, to open Bible together. Hey, I, I had someone tell me this week, man, I, I grew up with the Bible and I know nothing about it. I, I have no idea. I don't even know where to start. Well, let's start together. What if we just wrote a verse a day? What would that be like? What if, what if we just put a verse on, maybe a verse a day is too much. What if we just put a verse on the water cooler every, every week? Let's start to open God's word. Let's, let's, let, let's let his word speak to us. Maybe it's, maybe it's an invite to church or be a guest for our church. Maybe it's just spend time praying together to, to how can I hear his voice? Maybe help others do a noise detox, right? That's, that's gotta be a place we start. Well, what are all the voices you're listening to? How can we, let's filter some of these out. Let's practice listening together. This is the road to growing as followers of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? This is the road to making disciples. This is the road to becoming and helping others to become sheep who recognize the voice of the good shepherd. That's our mission. So in just a moment, we're going to enter into a time of communion. It's something we do every week as a church. Uh, we just think, man, it's such an awesome, important, uh, grace-filled time. And so around the room, we have actually three tables set up. And on the, on the tables are the elements of communion. The, the bread, which represents the body of Jesus Christ broken for us. The cup, which represents his blood poured out so that we would be forgiven. In just a moment, I'll, I'm, I'm going to say a prayer to close our time. I'm going to send you to this time of, of communion. And uh, maybe we'll have some piano play and we do some different things.
Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. Father God, Scripture says that, that your word is living and active. Sharp enough, uh, like, like a two-edged sword, sharp enough to separate bone from marrow. Father God, it says, it says your word is, is powerful beyond measure, able, able to just cut deep into our lives. Father God, we recognize right now that your word, your voice in this world has that same power. And so, Father God, this morning there's those in, in our midst that um, they just need to be cut. There's things happening in their life that, that frankly, need to, need to be cut out, need to be surgically removed, and that's the power of your word. Father God, I pray this morning as we enter into this time of communion, as we re remember the, the body and blood of your son, Jesus Christ, poured out through us, as we see this incredible example of, 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 of a good shepherd who sacrifices his life for his sheep. Father God, as we take this, this time of communion, let us seek your voice. God, Scripture says you're, you're not some in, in some faraway place, but that you're near. And so, God, we ask that you would speak to us, that we would become people of a gentle whisper that we would recognize your voice in our life and that we would share that same message with those around us, that we would help a world desperate and struggling for some sort of direction, some sort of purpose, that we would help our friends and neighbors to hear your voice also. Father God, we come before you this morning. We thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that everyone together says, amen. I invite you to rise and spend a few moments in a time of communion.